everyone and welcome. I'm Jennifer and you are listening to the Ego Next Door podcast. Today, we are going to revisit the manipulation tactics list presented on episode 3, exploring and unmasking what each mean and why they are so important on your journey to recovery or simply for self-protection and avoidance of potential narcissists in your life. Let's start with the first one, which, fun fact, was the word of the year back in 2020. Gaslighting is when a person uses statements to make you question your own memory, perception, or sanity. Example, back in April 2023, I had gotten some construction work in the attic of my house. The person who did the construction work was a cousin of my mother's, which she had told me was very trustworthy and a good professional. One day, I went up to him and asked him how long the work was going to take and let him know that he was past the date he had told me he would have things done. He started shouting and insulting me. After this, I was very distressed and I called my mother to let her know about it. She said I was conspiring, scheming, and that he was a perfectly nice person and that he just sounded aggressive sometimes because that's how people of the village speak. Obviously, this is gaslighting. I know farewell what I heard. Now we have love bombing. Giving someone excessive attention, showering with gifts, professing love very fast, and appearing to move too quickly in a relationship. Example. I once had a boyfriend who also turned out to be quite the narc, who love bombed me nonstop. At the beginning of our relationship, before we had even kissed, or gone on an official date, he would call me every day to tell me how much he cared about me and really wanted me to believe him and trust him more. He would also give me expensive gifts and do these grand romantic gestures that were just too much. At the time, I gave him a chance out of remorse, and I was too young to see it as love bombing. But one thing is certain. His behavior almost always made me feel deeply uncomfortable and it just felt wrong inside. Triangulation is a pretty visual one. Basically, this is when a person tries to bring a third person in the middle of a discussion and encourage them to take their side. Example, every time me and my mother would get into a fight, she would try to involve my stepfather in it by acting extremely distressed as if she was going to pass out or have a health emergency. This was done to bring him in to protect her and force us to make peace. This type of dynamic is often found in larger families too, where the child is not only encouraged, but downright forced to kiss or hug a parent, although the child appears notably stressed and uncomfortable. Now we have projection, which I always had trouble understanding, but it's when a person mirrors their own personality traits in pretty much any negative emotion and failure onto you. Example. The ex-boyfriend I talked about earlier was big on projecting. He would often repeat to me things other people accused him of and accused me of those things, which often made me feel downright humiliated, especially because I was too naive to see that this was projection, not accurate statements that defined my character. His favorite one was telling me that I had no sense of humor and that everything I said made no sense and made me sound like a stupid girl. Don't you see that people aren't laughing with you, they're laughing at you? 
You're a person with a university degree, and yet you talk like a dumbass. It's embarrassing to be in the same room as you when you talk. Now, playing the victim is exactly what it sounds like. A person distorting reality to be perceived as the victims of a story and turn attention around to themselves. Example. When I appeared sad or depressed after an argument or something my mother had said to me, she would ask me if it makes me happy that she is sad and to see her suffer. Do you have some strange Machiavellian pleasure in seeing me hurt? What is wrong with you? When I clearly did not appear happy or pleased. She would also say, I must have done something very wrong for you to resent me so much when it was clear that she was the one who resented me. In the latter case, we could interpret this as playing the victim and using projection. Smear campaign is when a person tries to make you look bad to others by making false accusations. Example, when I escaped my parents, aka abusers, they started talking shit about me to other people, especially those close to me in the family. They defamed me by implying that I was mentally unstable, crazy, mean, and was doing all of this for money. These statements could easily be proven false. Me running away, becoming homeless, and taking on a debt of over 100,000 euros is a clear example of it. However, when that argument didn't work, they began telling people that because I was crazy and evil, I was easy to manipulate and therefore someone like a boyfriend or a close family friend, were influencing me to do them harm. This could also be verified as a lie, if only someone had believed me when I revealed all of the control and physical abuse I endured at their hands since childhood. Retaliation is when a person goes into revenge-seeking mode to teach you a lesson, doing anything in their power to destroy your reputation, harass, or stalk you. Example. When I was nine years old, after my mother and my father got divorced and I told the court that he had been very physically abusive to me, my father began stalking me in school. He would park his Fiat Punto a couple of kilometers from the front door of my school and watch me. When I realized that he was there, I would start running away and he would run after me. This obviously scared me and made me get very fearful and paranoid any time I was outside. He knew he had lost the divorce battle, so he was there to do what he did best, terrorize me. The silent treatment is when a person tries to discipline you and make you fear them or their reaction towards you. Example, anytime I didn't do something my mother wanted me to do, she would freeze me out and ignore any attempt I made to talk or get her attention. When I was a kid, if I kept talking when she told me to shut up, she would ignore me and physically push me away any time I tried to kiss or hug her. This would often last for days, or even a week. Guilt tripping is when a person attempts to make you do something by making you feel guilty and at fault. Example. When me and my ex-boyfriend of seven years started dating, he was very, very affectionate and would often profess his undying love for me. But every now and again, he would appear very mad at me. And when I asked what was wrong, he would start a whole narrative about how he had just remembered that in my past, I had smoked, and that he couldn't get over the fact. Therefore, he wasn't sure if he could be with me. 
Once he exhausted me with those accusations, and I apologized for it, the narrative would slowly shift to him just remembering that I had eaten fast food and that he couldn't accept someone who didn't take care of themselves. Once I apologized for that, that narrative would shift once more to another topic, and so on and so forth. This was all done in a very subtle manner, to the point where in the moment I saw myself forced to apologize, hence my fear of being pushed away emotionally would take over my rationality of how absolutely idiotic the entire attitude of not being able to accept someone's normal behaviors was. Finally, we have hoovering, which is the behavior a person adopts to regain control of a relationship after you decide to distance yourself or set boundaries. Example, weeks after me and this ex-boyfriend of seven years broke up because he had cheated on me with a friend, he started calling me asking me to come back. He wanted us to be civil and me to keep working for him for free. He started being very friendly, responding to my Instagram stories, etc. At one point, I told him straight up that I would never want him back. And after weeks of unsuccessful hoovering, he finally showed his true colors. When he realized I was already fully out of his control, the abuse began again. And when he came over to my house to get the rest of his belongings, he attempted to trash my place and attack me. Okay, so it is important to know that these manipulation tactics can be used each by itself or combined. For example, someone can play the victim and carry out hoovering, execute a smear campaign and enter retaliation mode, love mom and implement a guilt-tripping tactic, use projection and use triangulation. Usually, narcissists don't only use one tactic at a time, they use multiple ones. That is one of the biggest differences between a normal human capacity of being manipulative and use a manipulation tactic once in a while and a narcissistic individual who uses manipulation all of the time and finds pleasure and no remorse in doing so. And no, if you were to ask me if these manipulation tactics require a playbook, they do not. Narcissists do not read from any playbook, and they sure as hell do not need someone to teach them how to be the way they are. To them, it comes naturally. It is their native language, one that they speak so effortlessly that sometimes even those who have raised them have trouble to understand where it came from. This reminds me of the Netflix show Inventing Anna, an almost biographical TV show of Anna Delvey a con artist and fraudster who posed as a wealthy Harris to access the New York upper class from 2013 to 2017. In one of the episodes, Anna's mother talks to a journalist and explains that children do not come from, they come through. The journalist tells Anna's mother, your daughter is a criminal mastermind. She had to learn it somewhere, right? I'm just trying to figure out where. Anna's mother replies by saying, It's easier to imagine her father or to imagine me as monsters. It is better to believe monsters make monsters, because children, we think we make them, we think we shape them, because we do for them, and we love them, and we guide them. But no, we do not make them. Children do not come from, they come through. Sometimes you have a child that she's a stranger under your roof. Anna was a stranger her whole life, 
a cold stranger. She's good at making people care about her, but if we have learned to let go, so can you. On the next episodes, I will talk about how narcissism develops, introduce a term coined, narcissistic fleas, and ways we can cope with abuse as grown-ups. Thank you for listening to the Ego Next Door podcast. See you soon, and I hope you have a wonderful day. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to hear more, don't forget to like and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ego Next Door. And if you would like to support my work, consider becoming a patron to my Patreon creator page at Jennifer Hachia. The Ego Next Door podcast is presented solely for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes. The content here is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Reliance on any information provided here is at your own risk. If you or someone you know is in crisis or experiencing suicidal thoughts, please reach out immediately to someone who can help right away. Call your national emergency services or go to the nearest hospital.